Hello, and thank you for tuning into Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, a clinical microbiologist and the chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. With me today is Dr. Bill Maurice, the chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic and the president of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. This is our weekly discussion with Dr. Maurice in which we learn about updates in laboratory testing during the COVID-19 pandemic. Hi, Bill. Welcome back to our weekly chat. <laughs> it's good to be back. We took yeah. a week off there. Well, you know, COVID is still in the news. And of course, now the CDC has their guidelines. They're uh, relaxing for mask wearing. So it's been an interesting week. You've probably gotten a lot of calls and questions about that. I have, as I'm sure you have as well. I think what we're starting to experience now is that standing down from COVID is going to be almost, it does just have a different set of challenges than standing up. You know, 14 months ago, it was all about all hands on deck. And now it's how we let people go back to their stations if you're going to use a ship analogy. So yep. yeah, lots of questions still in people's minds to be answered. Yeah. Striking the right balance. Well, shifting gears a little bit and talking about things that aren't necessarily COVID related. Last time we spoke, we talked about the fascinating history of Mayo Clinic Laboratories and how it became this international reference lab today. And I know now that we're always thinking of the future, and you must be thinking about this all the time in your role as the president of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. So I thought we could start projecting ahead and thinking about what's to come. What's the future of laboratory medicine in a post-COVID world? Yeah, and it's an excellent question, and it's excellent timing because you know, a lot of us are still in the throes of thinking about COVID, but the reality is that outside of that, people in healthcare and people outside of healthcare are now starting to look forward to, okay, so what do we do coming out of the pandemic, right? So this future is being shaped now. It's not something like, well, COVID is going to get done and then we'll start thinking about the future. There's a lot of people that are starting to think about that future state already. And not surprisingly, because the labs and diagnostics were such a huge part of the pandemic and our response to it, there's a lot of people thinking about how, is, how are diagnostics going to change? What's going to happen there? And I think it's really important for our listeners to start thinking about that now and engaging in those conversations. I agree. COVID shut us down for a while, but we've started resuming our operations and we can't just stay still and wait for COVID to end. We're moving forward. In my lab in clinical microbiology, we have five major initiatives that have nothing to do with COVID. Yep. So we have to yeah. keep looking ahead to the future. And then you look at the forces that are out there that are going to shape the, the, our world, right? And that's yeah. one thing in the laboratory we tend to focus on what we do in terms of delivering care, but the reality is that there's things outside of the laboratory and some real uh, political trends and financial trends, business trends that will really impact the lab. I, what is it going to mean when Amazon's doing testing now? What is it going to mean that there were all these companies that got huge investments in technology to do at-home testing? And then we still face coming out of the pandemic, everything we face going in, and that includes PAMA, which has cuts to lab reimbursement and people and the private payers also worried about what they're paying for as well. And the reason I think it's important for the lab to be engaged and our listeners to be engaged is that as these things are happening, anyone can look at what a lab test costs or any kind of at-home test, but what is the value that that information creates and what is the value of, of the laboratory? I mean, now more than ever, people should understand the value of having an accurate test in terms of their daily lives, right? We have to be willing to get our noses into those conversations. If there's going to be change coming, which there will be, 
how can we participate in that change so we can shape it for so that it works for people so it creates value for people well, i think that's a really good point and we're going to have to think about how we incorporate these newer technologies into our existing healthcare systems. I have a lot of interest in at-home collection and at-home testing. And I think that's really a great offering for certain diseases and certain tests, but you wouldn't want to necessarily do it for everything. It doesn't necessarily make sense. But then also, what do you do when you get that result? How do you make sure that actually ends up in the medical record? How do you validate it? Do you always require someone to redo the test in a laboratory environment? Or will the test become good enough and reliable enough that we could rely on them just as is and make treatment decisions? And those are things I think about a lot. Yeah, for sure. Right. And, and I'm sure I know we all do. And then the one side, we think about those things and then you have CMS or Medicare and payers think about what are they paying for tests? How can they pay less? Well, to me, so when someone's talking about costs is because they don't truly understand the value. Right. And that and all the things you talked about, all things that we in the laboratory, we give value to that meet to that result. We give meaning to that number. And so we worry about what we get reimbursed and it's really important because uh, it keeps our labs going and vibrant and our employees and happy and, and employed and all those things. And yet I think that we oftentimes fall into a trap in the laboratory, myself included. Uh, it's a lot easier to just focus on what's happening in my lab, not thinking about what's happening on the outside, just thinking about getting that result out there because the conversations can be a little bit more challenging and sometimes even messy when you're trying to explain all the things that you just talked about. But the reality is we have to, and we have to be able to talk about not just amongst laboratorians, but people outside the lab, people, you know, the physicians and providers outside the laboratory and be willing to talk to diagnostic companies and talk to insurers and everybody's advocacy groups. I think those are things that, that are important. And the other thing is, as all of us as professionals, to really reflect back to the world that we care about the things that are important. The problem is when you don't speak up, people then assign to you, they tend to put you into whatever their stereotype is. So they think about the laboratory, someone that sits in the lab, mm -hmm. looks at a microscope, has a machine, puts out a result. You know, what, what we're thinking about, how do you get those things to your point, Bobby? Those at-home things could really change access, right? Oh, we're absolutely. about disparities in healthcare. COVID's shown huge disparities in healthcare driven by access to diagnostics. We have to really embrace that challenge and say, we want to be part of that solution, I think, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, as you're talking about this, Bill, it makes me wonder if this is going to be a whole new branch of laboratory medicine and pathology. When point of care diagnostics became big, we decided as pathologists and laboratory leaders that we needed to have some control over that. And, and we ended up being the laboratory directors for a lot of these point of care labs. Well, this is just taking it one step further. And will we have pathologists and laboratory scientists now specializing in at-home testing? That might actually be our new specialty. Yeah, exactly. The other side of that is the whole use of information, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a whole nother thing, which is going to, there's a whole societal debate about the use of information and who's creating it, who has access to it. Again, we're healthcare professionals, we're providers, right? We sit in that position where we're trusted to help with those things. And so some might look at it as a threat, an algorithm that detects cancer on a slide or what have you. I mean, we still need people that are going to understand where does that add value? Where does that create value for someone? And be honest with ourselves, where is our profession improved by it and embrace it, right? And not leave it to someone outside of pathology, somewhere in the Northeast in a little startup to come up with these algorithms. We have to think these things through and really embrace them and not see them as threats, but see them as opportunities. 
Yeah, I agree. And, you know, there's two things that come to mind. First, we could work with companies and professional societies, our colleagues to help create guidelines on what types of tests really make sense to do at home. Now, some tests, it makes a lot of sense, you know, maybe having a group A strep test if you're a mom with lots of kids and, you know, they're getting sore throats maybe doing COVID testing at home, but maybe there's other tests that you wouldn't want to do at home because they're difficult to interpret. That's one thing that comes to mind. But the other thing that comes to mind, Belle, would be that we could, as clinicians, offer diagnostic interpretation services. And I've seen that already with some of these at-home tests where there's a little button that says, talk to a provider about your test result. And that's where we could really come in. I mean, who knows laboratory testing better than pathology and laboratory medicine leaders we could start interfacing more directly with patients, maybe virtually over Zoom and all of the other different methods that we've gotten so used to using this past year. That's right. I mean, that's a, that's a great example, because as you were saying, look, all these things will be more convenient for people. They should be the right things for people to do in that setting. Rather than going to an urgent care and getting a result and then transitioning to a provider recommendation, that's happening at home. So who's going to take someone and guide someone through that transition from getting a result at home to knowing what it means and knowing if they need to come in and all those sorts of things? I think those systems will be created. And if we should be, if not participating, help to lead the creation of those systems so they really work for patients. Because we really understand that's a lot of what we do is understanding that flow of information from a test or a pathology interpretation back into a patient record so someone can act on it. That's a really a big part of our job. So uh, we can't let that be lost. So yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm sure there's all sorts of examples out there that we can think about. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, in your mind, this, this is obviously a big issue, uh, at-home testing, uh, linking it with informatics. What are other, some of the other big things? I know you've touched on PAMA, reimbursement. What keeps you up at night? And what are you excited about seeing coming down the pipeline in the future? Well, I'll limit it. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll give it that focus on well, pathology lab medicine stuff. That <laughs> I think the exciting thing for me, I tend to be, you know me, I think we're, that's why we get along on podcasts. Yeah, we're both optimists. We're, we're both optimists. Yeah. But I tend to not lay awake thinking about stuff, worrying about it, but I do get excited about the possibilities. And I think that the whole idea that before the pandemic, I felt lab medicine generates most of the quantitative data in the record. We're going into the big data era we should have a real role in shaping that. And I think the pandemic leaves us even with more of an opportunity. So what excites me are ways that we could take what we know about how to use a laboratory to make someone's life better and think about new ways that that information is being created and new ways it's being analyzed and participating in that. So it not only improves our jobs, but improves the lives of people that interact with the lab and addresses some societal needs that the lab can help address. That To me, those are the really exciting things. Yeah, I would agree with you as well. Those are the things that I'm excited about. And I'm, I'm just really fortunate to be able to help be part of that process and shape things as they move forward. Agreed. And I'm also excited that it's beautiful weather out and I can get back on my bike. Yeah, I'm excited so about that too. <laughs> Well, this has been a great talk, Belle. You know, in, in coming talks, we can uh, talk maybe more a little bit about some specifics and things we're looking ahead for at Mayo. But I think that the things we've touched on today are broadly applicable across healthcare and laboratory medicine. We almost just gave ourselves our agenda for the remainder of the year for podcasts. We can work yeah. through a lot of these things. PAMA, what's happening, why. The one thing that is keeping me up 
to be completely honest, beyond PAM is also FDA. We know that the Ballot Act, is, which is a regulatory framework to include FDA that's congressional, is probably going to get reintroduced. So there's a lot of really, really important issues that are coming up that will be really important for the labs and lab professionals to be aware of and advocate for. So as well as all the cool technology stuff that we're going to see coming over the year as well. So lots to talk about. Absolutely. Well, great as always talking with you, Bill. Have a great week. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.